We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, today, surprisingly, a, a kind of a busy news day relative to the Denver Broncos. There's a lot to talk about tonight. We're obviously going to get into the head-to-head stuff, Broncos-Texans, a little bit later in the show. But first things first, Will Lutz, the guy who replaced the the last standing Super Bowl 50 champion, special teams, AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. You had the write-up. Break it down for everybody. Yeah, I think very well-deserved. Will Lutz went 11 for 11 in the month of November. He had the game winner against Buffalo. He had a season-long 52-yarder against Minnesota the following week. He was 5 for 5 in that game. Sean Payton even said we needed him. He gave him the game ball. He was also perfect 3 for 3 on kicks of 40-plus yards in November. So very well-deserved. And the Broncos, if you break down the percentage, Chad, of made kicks, they actually have a better kicker now than the guy they've replaced in Brandon McManus and also cheaper at that. So I thought it was a good uh, a good look for the Broncos special teams unit, which is number one in the NFL still entering week 13. Really good to see, man. Uh, a cornerstone, nay, a building block, yeah, of what it takes to really be competitively relevant and succeed and win in the NFL is that third phase, Zach, has to be locked down. And even though it can sometimes it's the least sexy aspect, I guess, of of why we watch football, watching field goals and kickoffs, although a great return or a great uh, punt return as well. You know, those are always exciting. But if you don't have it down pat, if the if the hatches aren't, you know, batten down, so to speak, we know what that's like. We know what that leads to. That's what we lived with from Brock Olivo to uh, uh, Tom McMahon. Tom McMahon. There's wasn't there one in between? Aren't it? Maybe I'm 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 tripping. Mm-hmm. But either way, it feels good. Last thing I'm rambling a little. Feels good to know Sean Payton was right that he does what he says he's going to do, and it's coming out in the wash. A lot of people were freaking out. Broncos country. Um, not going to say everyone, but a, a large majority after the week one uh, hiccup that 
Will Lutz had. He missed an extra point. He missed a field goal. The Broncos lost by one point, but he's really settled down. And like the rest of his teammates amid this five-game winning streak, he has been money in the bank for Denver. So I'm very happy with uh, the kicking game. Hey, guys, real quick, we're going to get to your Super Chats, but because it is the very last day of this fine month of November and what a month it's been for Broncos country, I mean, loving it. We're got to give you the updated just so you know what what uh, you're getting into tonight, the last night for the top 10 Super Chat jersey giveaway, the contest. You guys know what we do. Top 10 finishers on Super Chat in a given month. Uh, their names go in the hat. We randomly select live. Winner gets a Broncos jersey of their choosing. So going into tonight, the last night, here is your top 10. I'm going to be quick about it. DWI guys at one, Michaela Parker, the Duchess at two, Zeus McPeak at three, F.A. at four, Naj at five, Troy at six, Mike Edel at seven, GLP, Gary Leeds Palmer, leapfrogging up as, along with Troy, to be at number eight, Surehang tied right there with him at eight, and Coach Chris rounds out the top ten, and then just a couple of the names outside, uh, Sam Bam, David McElrath, D. Porter, Rip Dye, uh, Chris Hernandez, Brian Dunn, etc. So I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that because I always forget uh, on the last day of the month and then it passes and, you know, we get caught up. So the Papa Bear, speaking of, here he is in the house with us, David McElrath. So good to see you tonight, brother. Much love and respect. And Buckham indeed. He says, good evening, Broncos country, Chad, Zach, Dylan, and Deacon Scott going with 11 and 6. Love it. Broncos, 34, Zach, Texans, 20. Buckham times three. I love it. MHH for life, Denver Bronx for life. How are you feeling, Zach, about – I love the optimism. I love the the bullish outlook here, David Trust. But, Zach, how are you feeling about this Broncos team dropping 34 on the road in Houston? I'm not going to say it's impossible. Uh, Houston's defense, though they're playing a lot better under D'Amico Ryans, they're not the 85 Bears or 2,000 Ravens. They're kind of middle of the road in most categories. So if the Broncos can take to the air, be a little more aggressive than as opposed to chewing in the clock and playing ground and pound football, I don't see why they can't put points on the board. It might not be 34, David, but I do think the Broncos offense will come to play on Sunday. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the very first super chat coming in like two hours early tonight before we hit the old go live button is none other than a bona fide super chat superstar, Troy. Thank you, bro. Seriously appreciate you. He says, wow, I can't believe it's up this early, the stream. I did get it scheduled a little bit earlier today because I had to do some running around. Uh, but he says, have a great show, guys. Hope to see some deep balls for Marvin Mims, Jerry Judy, and Sutton this week. Let's relegate the special teams player of the week to extra points. I love it. I love it. Pet peeve, Zach. When people say let's regulate, trying to say relegate, you know, yeah. as far as the context, it's just a little pit peeve. Uh, but anyway, yes, I'd love to see some some more vertical action, and I think you can you can make it happen, and you might have to because even if Zach the Broncos maintain this kind of predatory style of defense and take the ball away a few times uh, in Houston, even if it plays out that way, Houston's going to move the ball between the 20s. That's one thing the Broncos do allow. You know, the whole bend don't break thing. They've still been quite good in the red zone. But I just have kind of a sneaking suspicion as I've been marinating on this game all week. You're going to have to score some points in this one if you're going to win. If you're the Broncos on the road, this is a, a, a really red-hot rookie quarterback with speed demon weapons that are playmakers. So you're going to have to score, I think. And the defense will help you out with, hopefully, Zach, a few well-timed 
you know, game-changing plays. But if this if this offense just says, hey, we're just going to ground and pound our way down the field, they might not be able to keep up. Yeah, that's what I was saying to David's comment. I mean, if they open the playbook up and stretch the field, I'm sure they can uh, put up points. They have to get Marvin Mims involved. Sean Payton, uh, been very impressed by what he's done in Denver, but his stubbornness with Mims still is uh, kind of a thorn in my side. But you're right, this game, the game script has been in favor for the Broncos the last five weeks. It's it's allowed them to play a little slower, uh, play a little safer. Russell Wilson in the game manager role. But if the game script goes against them in Houston, which it could, it could be a shootout, Chad, where the Broncos might have to put up points. You're talking about a Houston offense. They have a good running game with Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, but their receiving core. I mean, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, there's a few others in there as well. I can't believe I'm blanking that right now. They're like four deep. Uh, Nico... Oh, what's his name? Well, anyway, on the subject of the Broncos, okay, he's talking about Mims, Judy Sutton. Zach, I found this to be, of late, a positive development. We were lamenting and even decrying the abject of disuse of Marvin Mims, the dynamic rookie from the first quarter of the season. It's so ironic that the this explosive cat that in the first four games of the season was at such a pace, he was well on his way to a 1,000-yard season. Like, he was on pace easily for a 1,000-yard season. Then that double fumble game against the Jets, right? Then you go one, two, three, four. The next four games, he gets a grand total of uh, one touch, two touch, two touches, okay? And one target, three targets total in the passing game. But in the last two weeks, Zach, Marvin Mims has been targeted three times. Now, He's these targets and his his two catches in each game. They've been this underneath stuff where you can tell Sean Payton's hoping he can like break one and then he's off type thing. But maybe this is the game where after they've got a couple of these uh, on tape for opponents of Mims catching it underneath, maybe this is one where they double move, boom, he's gone and big play over the top. That's a good thought. Maybe they've been playing possum with Marvin Mims at the, to this point of the season, and this is the week where no one expects him to be the number one or primary read, and maybe he surprises. But at some point, you spent high-round capital on the guy. You've invested a lot in him. He's going to be more than likely your wide receiver one or two at worst of the future. At some point, you have to get him involved. I hope it starts in Houston. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks, Scott. Uh, I was I was thinking it is Nico Collins. I'm going, man, wasn't Nico, Nico. So thank you, buddy. Uh, the Duchess jumping in. Love you so much, thank Michaela. You, From the top rope. Man, I don't know what we'd do without you. You mean so much to us. She says, should we pick up Zach Ertz? Is he worth it? Uh, so in case you missed it, the new another news, it wasn't really Bronco relevant, though it could be, depending on how things unfold. Ertz out. Uh, he's gone he's gonna be he has to pass through waivers but the broncos zach could sign him this is a team that has sorely lacked a dynamic receiving threat at tight end could this be an answer to some of the problems that have been plaguing i mean troutman's made exactly two plays all season long as a receiver I don't think it's I mean, at this stage of his career, he's not the same player he was in Philadelphia, but it, it, it could be part of the solution. I mean, at his advanced age, Zachert still has more receptions this year than the entire Broncos tight end room combined. We could talk about Albert O and whether the Broncos should have kept him because he was a pass catching weapon, but that's in the past. Now you can't rely on Greg Dulcich. He's constantly injured. He's still not even back from his latest IR stint. Adam Troutman is a Jag. I mean, Chris Manhurts is a blocker. I liked what I saw from Lucas Crow and the one game he played in, but they haven't really featured him much beyond that. So I would be totally for the Broncos picking up Ertz off waivers. They'd be on the hook for 2.5 million, but that would be one of those in-season moves that can just boost a team maybe into the playoffs and then help out the offense with Sean Payton. Yeah, you're right, dude. It's kind of wild. So Zach Ertz, 43 targets so far this season in seven games, 27 receptions, only 187 yards. He's only averaging a career low 6.9 yards per reception, at least in that scheme in Arizona. It's probably, Zach, a combination of a scheme and father time, but uh, one singular touchdown. The Denver Broncos, if you look at uh, the total wide or t- pardon me, total tight end receptions. I mean, Troutman's got 16. Uh, Dulcich has three, right? So, and then Manhurts has two. That's it. So, I think they could use him, but just don't break the bank. Is he worth it? Would depend on what he's he's looking for. If he's willing to just come in and compete on a team with momentum, uh, and kind of get stitched into how things are working offensively, then I wouldn't hate it. But then again, Zach. Greg Dulcich pretty soon could be coming back. Is he though? I mean, you just, you can't rely on him. You can't count on Greg Dulcich to either get or stay healthy. That's for he's sure. The, he's the new version of Jake, Butt. all the talent in the world, but you, you can't help the team. If you're on the trainer's table, they need some sort of plan B. They need an insurance policy. I mean, they've picked up players to strengthen uh, certain areas of the roster elsewhere. Why not strengthen the tight end room, which they could sorely use. Uh, real quick, I just want to give a shout out here to Big Earn. Good to see you in the chat tonight, my brother, on YouTube. Big Earn. Hope you're doing well down in California, my friend. Um, yes, indeed. So, Zach, we got a little bit of a lull here. I want to shift gears. Also, shout out to Cooper. Hope you got that homework on point, my dog. Hope your grades are where they need to be. Good to see you and your mom tonight. Really, really cool. Uh, Zach, 
the Denver Broncos in back-to-back uh, -back weeks have been flexed by the NFL. The uh, week 15 tilt with the Lions flexed from a Sunday night, which it was already scheduled for primetime, but Sunday night uh, to uh, Saturday night. was Yeah, Saturday yeah. night. So uh, what do you make of this? Is it just the Broncos suddenly being, you know, a captivating story that the NFL wants to put on, on TV for the ratings? Yeah, I mean – I haven't checked out the other matchups on that uh, that weekly docket, but you're talking about two of the hottest teams and two of the quirkier teams in football, Chad. The Lions are the Lions with Dan Campbell biting kneecaps, and uh, I think they'll get back on their winning track this week, which sets up what could be a pivotal matchup for both teams with playoff implications on the line. I could see why the NFL wanted that in primetime. What I don't understand is why the NFL wants the Broncos in primetime the following week, which is Christmas Eve, Sunday. I'm pretty sure against the Patriots who are tanking and probably the worst team in football. And from what I read, Chad, that game cannot be flexed out. That's locked in. So the Broncos, two more primetime games this year, both back-to-back -back weeks. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's Christmas Eve and it's Sunday night football, New England Patriots uh, at home. Of course, this is, that one will be in Denver week 16. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun having Broncos on uh, Christmas Eve. Although you and I are going to have to work, Mr. Yep. Producer might have to have to work a minute that night, you know, so but we love it. We have fun doing this. Ted, my brother. So good to see you. He says Broncos need to get the third quarter, especially that first drive figured out to win this game. They've only scored 20 third quarter points all year, equating to 8% of our total. Yeah, this is a topic. Uh, this is a topic, Zach, that we touched on. I think it was Monday night, but just the idea that what is the impetus here for the first drive of the second half offensive struggles. Like they usually kick it into gear come the fourth quarter because you, you know, you get put in a find a way, make a way situation backs against the wall. But uh, for a team Zach that has had so much success with that first quarter so far this season, as far as, especially the opening drives, you know, which is a departure from the way it's been in Denver in the recent past. Um, is it just a matter of, you know, that's the scripted section to open a game uh, for the for the Broncos. And that's why there's such a big disparity, you think? That was my reasoning when we talked about it Monday. They're they're so reliant on their their script to start and they're great in the first quarter. I mean, again, against Cleveland, first drive of the game, they effortlessly went down the field, put it in for six. I mean, you don't see many Broncos teams do that too often. But what I also talked about earlier tonight was game script and how it's been positive in the Broncos' favor. They come out of halftime. Lately, they're either not losing or they're losing slightly. So they can still establish their identity, which is running the ball, chewing up clock, and again, playing in that conservative game manager role with Russell Wilson. But like I also talked about, if Houston kind of forces the Broncos' hand and gets a 10-point, 14-point advantage at halftime, the Broncos are going to have to go off their script in the third quarter, and they're going to have to do what they haven't done, which is Ted talks about here, and score points. It, if they want to make the playoffs, Chad, and they have a good chance to now, especially if they win Sunday, you got to – find a way to score in the third frame. No doubt about it. This is a, an offense. I mean, we can uh, maybe not jump right away to the head to head, but just a little preview. I mean, this is a Texans offense ranked in the top 10 in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the 11 key categories. Um, so it's no joke. Meanwhile, the Broncos 
you know, their only top 10 ranking currently offensively is in fewest interceptions thrown with four, right? Russ has protected the ball through the air. He's got way too many lost fumbles, but only four interceptions, Zach. Guess how many the Texans have? Just a wild guess. If, if You might have already seen this, but just a wild guess, C.J. Stroud. I don't think many. Yeah. Five. So he's pretty stingy with the ball, too. And, in fact, this was something that uh, – Doug, so good to see you, brother. Appreciate you on Facebook showing some support. You to man. This was something, Zach, that uh, Vance Joseph talked about today as far as C.J. Stroud. He compared his uh, – he compared him to a veteran. He said, quote, this guy's playing like a vet. His poise obviously is on point. Pressure doesn't bother him. Four-man rush, three-man rush. He's playing at a high level. His accuracy is very special. If guys are open, it's on their bodies constantly, meaning, boom, there's the ball. Uh, it's not luck. It's who he is, et cetera. So, um, look, the Broncos, as great as it's been to see, and I, I love it. I'm not trying to rain on the parade defensively. Um, you know, they haven't really been tested through this. I mean, with the exception, maybe, Zach, of the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes, no, that's not true. I guess, you know, Buffalo's passing attack it has an explosive propensity. It hasn't been as explosive this year, but this is one of those games where they basically got to play above their their weight class, so to speak, in, in coverage because, man, these receivers in Houston are so fast, and that dude is, to quote VJ, on point. The Broncos might catch a break, though. Uh, Dalton Schultz, the, uh, the Houston tight end slash safety blanket for C.J. Stroud, he has a – either an ankle or a hamstring. He mispracticed two days in a row, so he might not play, but they're going to get Tank Dell, who is limited today. They're going to get uh, Noah Brown back, the receiver. And credit to Bobby Slowick, the OC in, in Houston, former Niners assistant. What he's done with C.J. Stroud, I've watched tape of every Texans game. You would never know he's a rookie, Chad. He's playing light years uh, past his maturity level or what it should be as a rookie, and he's making throws that just leave me incomplete. Uh, wow. So the Broncos, they can't take this game lightly. They can't treat him like a rookie because he is not. He is a generational talent, and he's going to pose a major problem for VJ and company. I remember uh, Slowick's old man. Is it his old man or is it his uncle? I think it's his old man. Bob, as the former Broncos defensive coordinator back in the day. I'm pretty sure it's his dad. Bob, Bobby, etc. Uh, Phil, down in Tucson, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a state of being. It's wherever you are, and that's where Phil is. So good to see you tonight, big dog. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. I have a feeling that for the first time in a long time, we are the better physical team. Could beat up the D-line of the Texans. Buck them, baby. That's with a B, YouTube. MHH for life. Go Broncos. Yeah, I mean, just a quick preview uh, defensively for the Texans. They do play with with in a lot of intensity and heart, Zach. But uh, they're 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 real. They're only calling cards, so to speak, as a defense. You know, I mentioned the Broncos only have one green area. We're going to see all this here in a few. Uh, offensively, defensively, the Texans only have two green areas. One of them, though, Zach, is against the run, um, and I think a big part of that is. They've been in a lot of shootouts, a lot of high-scoring affairs, et cetera. But how are you feeling about the Broncos matching up on the ground against this D-line of the of the Texans, as Phil's talking about? Listen, I'm not worried, and I don't say that with bravado or with bias. I mean, Cleveland, if you look at just that game alone last week, they knew the Broncos were going to run the ball. They stacked the box, 
and the Broncos still ran, and the Broncos still ran well. I mean, the same thing went for the Minnesota game, the Buffalo game. The Broncos' offensive line is just better than the opposing defensive lines right now. They are playing out of their collective minds. So I'm not too worried. I mean, if again, if the Broncos can do that against the most stout D in the league, which is Cleveland, D'Amico Ryan's unit in Houston doesn't scare me. I'm more worried about Houston's offense versus VJ and the Broncos' defense. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, let me just see here. I want to grab this real quick from uh, our old friend Nick Hale. Good to see you, big dog. He says, my dudes, when is Judy going to have a breakout game? Been waiting. Love y'all. MHH for life. Right back at you, my dog. Yeah, he's yet to really have that that breakout game uh, in 2023, Zach. And, you know, if you go back in time one year, we were kind of singing a similar tune relative to Jerry Judy as, as we are right now, which is kind of not living up to his, his draft pedigree, inconsistent. And then about right now is when he turned it on and went gangbusters. Now that was a different scheme, different coaching, different all, all around him. But do you feel like that's in store for Jerry Judy? Because there are, there are some out there and uh, I think it was Nick, he has something cooking that's going to be publishing tonight. So look for that article after the podcast. But um, the, the numbers, analytics hint that Russell Wilson is about to start kind of opening things up and, and throwing the ball. If so, I would have to assume, Zach, that Judy would be a beneficiary of that. But how are you feeling about it? I mean, it's tough for me because I want to see a more explosive offense. I want to see a more vertical offense. But I like winning too damn much, Chad. And I don't really care if the Broncos have a more conservative offense. Judy broke out over the course of the final games last year only because there was no other dominant figure in that receiving court. Cortland Sutton did not look anything like he does this season under Sean Payton. Eight receiving touchdowns in the red zone leads the NFL, also tied for the second most overall touchdown receptions in the NFL. I mean, he is back to pre-injury Cortland Sutton, Pro Bowl Cortland Sutton. So my answer is if there's this offense only has enough room as it's structured right now, kind of again, conservative ground and pound run first. They have enough room for one player to break out. And that one player has been Cortland Sutton. Everyone else has to take a back seat. Jerry, Judy, Marvin Mims, everyone behind Sutton. Yeah, it's, it's conspicuous, Zach. I'll agree with Mr. Producer here. It's conspicuous that Jerry Judy's run of big production and that three touchdown game kind of happened in that window where if you're going to get that third year, that, pardon me, that fifth year option, which for him was like 13 million bucks for his year five, that's when you had to make hay. Uh, and then to kind of disappear like this, it's so bizarre because this is a, this is a coach, a coaching staff, Zach, that knows how to get the most out of wide receivers. I think a part of it is Judy's kind of, as we saw in the first quarter of the season, his emotional uh constitution he seemed very rash and erratic and battling with you know tv people and and battling with bronco uh royalty you know former super bowl champs and all that and that i think played a role in his inability to get things cooking and also zach the fact that uh sean payton's prioritizing the ground game and it's just a little bit of a different thing but if he's going to break out the answer, my final answer on this is if he's going to break out, it's going to be in this this stretch run because he does have a little bit of a history, even if it is only once. But he also had a game, if memory serves, Zach, it might have been his second year 
where he had that uh, he had another big game late in the year uh, scoring. I'll have to pull it up on his on his uh, breakdown, but we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, guys, we are at 25 minutes. Um, so we're doing okay with time. We're going to do our head to heads here with Broncos, <clears throat> pardon me, Broncos, Texans, but any burning topics, get it in the chat. Albert, our prediction, he's saying, I think Broncos win 27, 24. Um, I'm feeling good about it. And you I'm going to save my prediction for the mile high round table article that we'll publish tomorrow, <clears throat> but I will say two things. I'm feeling good about it. And I think similar to your point score prediction i think zach that this is a game that does come down to a single score once again i think it's going to be a very close game i think it's going to be a very hotly contested game into the fourth quarter and uh it might be a game where whosoever offense is on the field last might end up taking it if it's that if that's the, if they keep it close if it's like 24 24 going into the fourth quarter or late in the fourth quarter i will take the broncos field goal kicker afc special teams player of the month over the Houston kicker, who I'm pretty sure is coming off an injury. His first game back from injury. So it, it's going to be a very – I don't see the Broncos getting blown out, and I don't see the Broncos blowing out the Texans. It's going to be another nail-biter on Sunday. Uh, Dan, thank you, buddy. I was trying to remember that uh, one one other special teams guy in between, and yes, it was Dwayne Stukes. Appreciate the assist Ugh. on that, uh, my friend. Um, okay, I'm just glancing through a couple things here. Uh, tight end, a lot of tight end talk. The Von Miller thing, guys, like it's a bummer. But even though he's a he's a gonna he, he's a Bronco for life, so to speak, and obviously Zach Vaughn still very closely, uh, I would say, is invested. It's kind of bizarre. I've never really seen it happen with a player leaving his former team and still playing in the league and still kind of staying as dialed in and connected with all his former team and talking positively about him and like still using the. Um, on his podcast and stuff, there's been a few times where he still used the uses the possessive we, like includes himself and the Broncos and whatnot. It's really cool, but the bottom line is, Zach, right now, he's not a Bronco. He's a Buffalo Bill, and there have been some allegations uh, and things going on in Dallas with his uh, with the mother of one of his, his children, mother of his children. Anyway, but uh, I don't know that we really need to spend too much time talking about that, even though I've seen a lot of comments in the chat because – you know, he's kind of been through this before, and I don't say that to sound rash or uh, callous about it. It's a serious, obviously, Zach, very serious topic, what he's been accused of, domestic violence, all that stuff. But um, I don't know. It's just not territory I typically like to spend too much time on the show, especially talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to comment on it too much. If he was a Bronco, it would be one thing, Chad, but he's not a Bronco anymore. And uh, though I will say uh, there's there's everyone's first instinct when stories like this come out is to just like, is all emotional response. Like I just want to let that 72 hour golden rule pass and let more facts come out. Let the story come to light before we even broach it. Because right now we have nothing to go on except one report of a player who doesn't play for the Broncos any longer. So we'll move on. All right, let's do the, uh, let me get this blown up the way it needs to be here so that everybody can see it. Well, there we go. Let's do, uh, <laughs> the head-to-head -head. and guys while we're doing the head-to-head -head comparison here broncos texans if you have burning topics super chats we will circle back uh before we dip out of here tonight and we will grab them so keep that in mind uh but here is let me let me try and center this for you well, i think i could go maybe one more oh i'm maxed out all right 
So here is uh, Broncos Texans. All right. Both teams sitting here in the AFC at six and five. The Broncos are plus eight in turnover differential. The Texans are also a top 10 ranked team in that department with plus four. That means they've taken the ball away four times more uh, than they've given it away. And the Broncos eight times more. Time of possession, though, Zach, for a team that really prides itself on consuming clock and running the ball. The Broncos are still woefully poor at staying on the field. And a lot of that is from early season struggles and it taking time for the law of averages to drive things up. But it's still not a great uh, area of, of the Broncos you know, st uh, stats at this stage in the season. Meanwhile, the Texans are basically right there middle of the pack. Uh, in terms of time of possession. But as we jump into the offense here, as I mentioned, as you look at the Texans on the right-hand column, that's a lot of green. Remember, green signifies a top 10 ranking. Uh, red signifies bottom 10. And if it's black, that means it's in the middle. So real quick, the Texans are sixth in yards per game, uh, fifth in yards per play, 10th in scoring, averaging 23.5 points per game. They are 24th in rushing, averaging under 100 per game. They are second, Zach, in passing, 276 yards per game. Stroud, or total interceptions, five on the season. Fumbles lost, six, which puts them just outside the top 10 as far as fewest. Then you get two total giveaways. They are fifth in the league, fifth fewest in the league. Uh, sacks allowed, only 27, which ties them right in the middle, tied for 16th in the NFL. Third down. They are money. And you got to remember, too, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator that, that Zach mentioned and referenced earlier, this is a Shanahan disciple. This is a guy that D'Amico Ryans, the new head coach in Houston, got to know quite well during their time together uh, in San Francisco. So these guys, they're running a, a, a very sophisticated scheme, let's put it that way. And the dude, the rookie, is operating it like a pro. Sixth in third down percentage, converting 44%. And then red zone, not quite so good. It's not terrible, Zach, but they are ranked 20th in red zone efficiency. Meanwhile, you look at the Broncos, 23rd in yards per game, uh, 20, or pardon me, 13th in points per game. So this is a vastly improved metric for the Denver Broncos just over the last seven years, just outside the top 10 in scoring. Rushing, averaging 115, that puts them at 12th, just outside the top 10. So Zach, conceivably and then i'm serving this back to you you know with a couple of solid pro productive games rushing and scoring in the red zone like this last game uh against the uh, browns these metrics could end up being in the top 10 the next time we circle back even uh to look at a head-to-head -head. but what jumps out to you here number one it might only be 13th but if you recall under nathaniel hackett before he got fired in those games the broncos averaged I think it was 15.4 points per game. So they're a full touchdown plus an extra point better than they were under Hackett. That is a quantum improvement. That's part of the reason why the Broncos have been successful on this winning streak. But I'm more, you know, we talk about the Broncos every podcast. Now we're breaking down the opponent. And I'm just so impressed by what the offense has done with the rookie. I mean, when you're averaging... Uh, almost six yards per play fifth in the NFL when you're second in the NFL in passing. And it's not just because it's in garbage time or it's any sort of um, altered stat. I mean, they're doing it legitimately. Also third down percentage when you're sixth in the NFL, 44% with a rookie quarterback, 
throwing to a random assortment of receivers, one of which being a rookie. I, I just I couldn't be more impressed by what Sloak and Stroud have done. And that's why I said my concern with this game is not the Broncos on offense. It's the Broncos on defense. Indeed. For what it's worth. All right. And keep in mind those last two games of last season, Nathaniel Hackett was not around and they did play better than they had up to that point. So, but the Denver Broncos finished 2022, Zach, averaging as a team 16.9 points per game, which ranked them, of course, dead last. So this is a vast, vast improvement. And combined with what we're going to look at next, as far as the defense and the takeaways, it's been a winning recipe. Um, but a couple things here, Zach, that really need to improve on in this game in particular is, you know, keep protecting Russ. They did a pretty good job of that last week. You know, Miles Garrett was shut out. He did get banged up in the second half, but they did a good job of keeping Russ protected. But these sacks still are ridiculously high. Third down percentage, bump those numbers up a little, get into the top 10. Uh, and then red zone, you know, they're about right where the, the Texans are, just behind the Texans, in fact, in ranking. So those are going to be key metrics, key metrics as always uh, in Houston. All right, let's look at the defense here. Uh, the the Broncos, still all this red in the yards per game, the yards per play, points, rushing, passing. This, Zach, is still the vestiges of week three in Miami. You guys got to remember, 70 points, there's only 17 total frames with which to you know start averaging out whatnot. And the same with the yardage. I'm trying to remember, Zach, was it 7 750? Something like that. Yes, Miami, yes, yeah, seven, seven twenty, okay. seven fifty. That's so this is why you're still seeing these ridiculously poor, poor top five statistics defensively for the Broncos. If you were to go back and measure it, and I know Eric has written about this and whatnot, from uh, basically the uh, week six on, or part was week seven, whatever that first Chiefs game was. So the the loss to the Chiefs to this point, the Broncos are top ten in a in a lot of these stats. It's almost like, Zach, two different teams uh, in one single season. But you look at the uh, green areas for this Broncos defense, and obviously they lead the league currently in takeaways. 12 fumble recoveries, 22 total takeaways, 10 interceptions, uh, just outside the top 10 in third down in red zone. They could crack that if they play inspired ball against Stroud. As far as the Texans go, though, look, they're barely outside the bottom 10 in uh, yards per game they are bottom 10 in yards per play points per game they're barely in the in the top half of the league but here's their calling card as i mentioned earlier they have done well stopping the run though again a lot of that is just kind of game flow and how things have worked out passing they're terrible against the pass which is another reason why zach this could be one of those pivot points for peyton where he starts opening things up because there are going to be opportunities uh, they only have eight interceptions, which ties them for 20th, seven fumble recoveries, though, which puts them in the top 10, 15 takeaways, 24 sacks, not very many. I mean, one more than the Broncos. Um, they're 42.2% on third down, which puts them in the bottom 10. And they're solid. They're exactly middle of the pack in red zone. So what jumps out to you here, Zach? Well, you're right. A lot of the stats on the Broncos side can be traced back to week three, but there's one stat there that can't and has to get better. And that's sacks. 
23 sacks. They're tied for 26 in the NFL. And there's been multiple games this season, Chad, where the Broncos have recorded zero sacks. Week one against Jimmy G stands out the most. But they've gotten pressure. They've hurried the quarterback. They've obviously forced the takeaways. But you're going to start a stretch now where you're facing either young or turnover-prone quarterbacks. Uh, Jared Goff coming up. You have CJ Stroud, a rookie, whoever's starting for the Patriots in a few weeks, Justin Herbert, who, if you rattle him, can be forced into a mistake. They have to get to the quarterback, get home, and finish those plays. That's the only real gripe that and the rushing defense I have uh, for Denver. It wouldn't surprise me, Zach, if this is a game. You know, yes, we heard, I mentioned it earlier, Vance Joseph talking about CJ Stroud and saying, hey, man, just poise. He doesn't flinch uh, uh, in pressure, three-man, four-man, et cetera. Wouldn't surprise me if this is a game where they throw some numbers at C.J. Stroud and really just hope to God that their corners can hold up in coverage because that might be how you have to battle kind of fire with fire against this team, strategically, obviously, not doing it willy-nilly and with total reckless abandon. But let's move on here special teams. Uh, the Texans are really good at uh, stopping punt returns and kickoff returns. They're fourth and fifth in the NFL in those two areas. Uh, pardon me. They're fourth in, in stopping punt returns, fifth in actual kickoff returns. So my bad on that. Uh, Broncos, meanwhile, Zach, if they could get an improvement on their punter. Yeah. Everything else is top 10. I mean, they're first still in punt return and kick return average. Thank you, Marvin Mims. Uh, and their coverage units continue to be solid and disciplined. Sixth covering punts, uh, fourth covering kicks, and then the reigning special teams player of the month, uh, top 10 in terms of field goal percentage. So anything that jumps out to you here? I'd love to see like the Jaguars game release packet to see what their field goal percentage is because I'm pretty sure the Broncos have a better and more reliable kicker this year with Will Lutz than they had under the late year Brandon McManus. But you're right. The only thing that really is a gripe here is the punting. Riley Dixon is not him. Marvin Mims is him. Ben Kotwika is him. Mike Westoff is him. I mean, it's it's 99% good. The only 1% that's bad is, like you mentioned, the punting game. So, Brandon McManus, you ready for this, Zach? Yeah. Hit me. 23 field goals made on 26 attempts, good for an 88.5% field goal. Here we go. So, yeah, the Broncos, it's a, it's a net, net gain. All right, last thing on the head-to-head, penalties committed. The Broncos still in the bottom 10, but they're rising. More disciplined ball has definitely helped. And, Zach, they've officially slipped from their perch of being the team whose opponents commit the most penalties. They're now tied for second. Uh, and meanwhile, the, the Texans are exactly basically middle of the pack average when it comes to penalties committed and opponent penalties committed. So one last thing here before we dip on out, a quick perusal of the uh, key stats for the Texans. Their uh, leading tackler is linebacker Blake Cashman. 76 tackles. Singleton leads the Broncos with a whopping 108 already. And just think, Zach, if he wasn't missing as many tackles as he has this year, I mean, he might be at like 125, 130, maybe even more. It's insane, this dude's uh, ability to tackle and just stack volume there. Uh, Sacks, there you go. Benito leads the Broncos with seven. Greenard with seven. 
Uh, Cooper got has five and a half. Allen three and a half. Uh, interceptions. Both teams are led by players with three. And uh, let's see, receiving. Here's where it's going to start getting a little ski wampus. Nico Collins has 800 receiving yards already. Dell has 709. The two leaders in Denver, Cortland Sutton has 560. So he's on pace, Zach, Cortland Sutton, to uh, finish with just under 1,000 yards receiving at his current pace. Judy, 440 yards. He's going to, you know, on pace anyway, to come in well under 1,000. And then rushing, Williams has 538. Singletary in Houston has 489. And then look at the passing yardage difference here. Uh, literally about a thousand yard difference here, a little bit more than that in favor of CJ Stroud. So there you have it. Um, Grady, thank you, bro. Appreciate that super chat, my friend. Go Broncos indeed. It's a great time to be a Broncos fan right now. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm looking at what the dog. I don't know. Oh, look at the, look at the chat. Sorry. Uh, oh, Yo, Grady, my dog. Thank you for breaking the ice as a Super Chat superstar. You are a prince. Stick around. Connect with us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. It's another great way to keep the conversation going, my friend. And just don't be a stranger either way. Thank you for your support. Really means a lot. Uh, Tucson Phil again saying, man, I think it's been eight years since we won five in a row. And that year we went to the Super Bowl. Just saying, yeah, it's been a minute since you've since Broncos fan have tasted anything close to this. It's been a minute, uh, and it's it's definitely been since 2016, Zach, since they were competitively relevant down the stretch. They ended up barely just missing out on the playoffs that year at nine and seven, but at least Zach Gary Kubiak's swan song before he resigned, they were at least competitively relevant with two young quarterbacks. I mean, every season that I've been a part of covering this team, it's been over by Thanksgiving, Chad. They haven't even played competitive December football. Well, the Broncos pretty much have a playoff game coming up in Houston. If they win this and go to 7-5 and five and hold that tiebreaker over Houston and a couple other teams as well, including Buffalo, you're going to have to start talking about the Broncos as a playoff favorite. And you're going to have to start talking about the Broncos as a team that no one, no one, I don't care if you're Kansas city, Miami, no one is going to want to play come early January. Uh, just because I'm of a mind to, I kind of want to grab this from Arthur, please. Thank Chad you. and Zach. were talking smack about the Broncos and coach Peyton today. <sighs> they're all in for the Broncos. This goes to show <laughs> they're mediocre. So, guys, we want to see the Broncos succeed. Actually, you know what? Go ahead, Zach. Let's let's see what <laughs> the Dragon has to say. I'm going to go ahead and unleash him here. No, I mean, Chad, we've been doing this long enough. I've been doing this long enough where my my skin has gotten a lot thicker over the years. I can I ignore so much just trolling on social media and and YouTube comments and this and that, but I can't ignore something that's so patently false that's so ignorant kind of like arthur's grammar there chad using the wrong there we on this podcast i can only speak for us only speak for myself even at the lowest point of the broncos season when they lost to nathaniel hackett we were on here defending sean payton defending russell wilson you will not find two bigger proponents of both those men than chad and i now did we want, I'll speak for myself. Did I want VJ fired? 
A thousand percent. I wanted him fired when he got hired again by the Broncos. Did we think that maybe the Broncos are going to look to play for draft position if the season went down a drain? Did we think they would look toward the future? Yes, absolutely. But we stood by Sean Payton because we saw, even in the losses, even in the preseason games, even in training camp, even in OTAs, that an adult was back in the building and the culture was shifting. So we never got off that bandwagon. We've been driving that bandwagon. And I feel stupid, in a sense, giving this comment my attention because I've been so much better at trying to ignore them, Chad, but you can't ignore them all. Well said, though, my friend. Colby, the Triple C in the house on Facebook. Bro, so good to see you. Thank you. He says, is this the biggest, most meaningful game since Super Bowl 50? Well, if you ask Justin Simmons, it's the biggest game. It's the most important game because it's the next game. But getting away from player speak and platitudes and cliches, it's very important. You know, if this was Detroit, let's say those games were SWAT, Zach, and the Broncos were playing Detroit in week 13 and Houston in week 15, uh, wouldn't be as important because it's non that would be non-conference. But this one is not only in conference, Zach, but against an opponent who most likely, I mean, we'll see, there's a lot of season left to play, but they're angling for wild card, not necessarily AFC South. It's looking like the Jags are going to end up winning that. But also we can't sleep on the Colts totally shocking everybody and and you know leapfrog in Houston. It really so they've got a lot to fight for too. They've got a lot to fight for. It's going to be an intense rock fight of a game. The Broncos are going to have to come out and not only continue kind of the swagger intensity and that belief they've had, but they're probably going to have to reach in for a couple of new tricks in the in the in the tool bag here, Zach, to to win this. But it is, I mean, Colby, I'll, I'll answer you this way: there is an argument for it being the most meaningful game since Super Bowl Fifty, at least relative to, you know winning, making playoffs, et cetera, not draft position and all that stuff. Well, here's my cheeky answer. I don't think the most meaningful game has come yet for the Broncos. I think that'll be in a few weeks, maybe even the finale against the Raiders where they're facing a win and in situation. That would certainly uh, set up the storylines pretty well. But to this point of the year, to this point of the post-Peyton Manning era, yeah, I mean, again, you're talking about playing competitive football in December. And this game, the playoff implications are severe. Once again, as it stands now, the Broncos have the ninth seed in the AFC. Only seven seeds go to the tournament. The Houston Texans have the eighth seed. The Houston Texans are above them because they have a better percentage, uh, winning percentage in the AFC. That's where that week one game, the loss to uh, the Raiders could come back to really bite the Broncos. If, if they win this, they're putting themselves in a position where they can pretty much almost control their own destiny from here on out. If they lose, it's going to put them further behind the eight ball. And in order to make the playoffs, they're going to have to hope a bunch of other teams in front of them loses, including Houston. Pivotal, pivotal, pivotal matchup coming up. Uh, for what it's worth, Indy, they face the four and seven Titans this week, but it's in Tennessee. Still, it's a divisional game. You never know how those will shake out. But I wanted to grab this from uh, Michaela saying, could you imagine if we would have drafted C.D. Lamb instead of Jerry Judy back in 2020? And that was uh, my favorite receiver. I don't exactly consider myself to be, as you guys know, a draft Nick, like many of our experts here at MHH. But uh, I loved C.D. Lamb coming out tonight, Zach. 
five receptions already for seven, uh, five receptions on seven targets for 66 yards and a tutty. So yeah, Jerry Judy continues eating his heart out because he's had a lot of success. Lamb. I mean, Justin Jefferson, who was in that same class and drafted after Jerry Judy, obviously is like the, the guy from that class, but would have been great. Would have been great to see lamb instead of Judy. In Judy's defense, CD has gotten much better quarterback play and coaching in Dallas. They know how to utilize him, and uh, that's been the biggest difference. I think he's also just more mature as a person and as a player than Jerry Judy is. But it could have been worse. It could have taken Henry Ruggs, Chad, instead of Jerry Judy. True. Oh, man, what a tragic, in more ways than one, um, story. Henry Ruggs. Phil, again, thank you, bro. He says, I just got a feeling that if the Cardinals and Jaguars can hold the Texans to 21 points, we can also. I'm probably crazy, but I think the pressure we get on C.J. Stroud is going to give us turnovers, which we will get more than seven points off of. Hey, man, there's that's a good way to kind of spin it, and I don't mean that in a dishonest way, but like the positive way to look at this in terms of Broncos-Texans is, hey, Cards and Jags held them to 21. Why can't the Broncos? I feel you. But this is a game where uh, the Texans are going to be, I'll say, equally motivated in this sense with the Broncos to come out on top. So it's going to be a rock fight. But I do like the Broncos in this. But it's also a game, like we talked about and broke down. I mean, the Texans don't turn the football over or at least throw interceptions that often. And I said on either the gut reaction or Monday's episode, there's going to be a time where the Broncos defense faces an opponent who doesn't turn the ball over. And they have to prove they can still win games without winning the turnover battle or without the ball bouncing in their favor. I want to see that on Sunday. I mean, CJ is going to play a surgical type game. They're going to have a game plan that kind of negates the Broncos' best attributes on defense. And if they don't turn it over, I want to see the same tenacity. I want to see the same see ball, get ball mentality they've had the last five weeks. And also, it would be nice, sack the freaking quarterback once in a while. Amen. Amen. Uh, Phil, love you, big dog. I wanted to... uh, I see one from Miguel. I want to grab real quick and then we'll probably dip on out of here after we also say thank you to the Ronk. Um, Does Denver have the head to head against Kansas city? So the tiebreaker, well, let's just first establish this. All right. I'm going to do a quick share screen. We got a minute or so we're, we're good. Uh, I'm going to first establish uh, uh, a wrong one. Actually, hold on. Stop sharing. Do a different one. I'm going to read to you guys how the tiebreakers work in the NFL real quick. Okay. So first though, you got to have a, uh, you got to know where things are at in the division. So chiefs are eight and three Broncos are six and five and they split. All right. So getting to the NFL tie breaking uh, two clubs head to head, the best one lost tied percentage in games between the clubs. All right. So they're one and one that's a tiebreaker. That's already a split. The best one loss percentage in games played within the division. Okay, so division comes up next. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, Zach, off the top of my head, what the Chiefs are in division other than the one loss. Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, They beat the Raiders last week. Uh, Have they played the Chargers yet? Yeah. Here, let me look. Let me pull something up real quick. Uh, Let me go to their schedule. Stand by one sec, guys. I promise this will this will be good, good stuff, good information. Let me go to schedule. I think the only loss they have in the division is the Broncos. 
Okay, so they are one and oh, two and oh, two and one. Okay, so they are three and one in the division as it stands right now, Zach, and the Broncos have lost two. So they are one and two, right? The Broncos are one and two, three division games because you've got, yeah, three more yeah. left to go. Okay, so there's that. As it stands, Chiefs got them beat in the, in the, overall standings and in division, but let's say they end up tying there too. Uh, then it becomes uh, best percentage in games played in conference. Okay. If you get tied there, it's strength of victory in all games, strength of schedule in all games. I mean, there's 12, literally 12 points of tie breaking that ultimately, if it comes down to it, Zach, the last one, and this is literally on the NFL books coin is a flip. coin toss. Yeah. So there you have it, gang. Uh, the Ronk in the house. Love you, bro. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Um, I don't know what we do without you either, my friend. Keeping the conversations going night after night, the positivity on social media and in the chat. Uh, but Miguel, bottom line is, dude, on, on tiebreakers is you, we need to see the Chiefs lose two more before it even matters. And the Broncos, for what it's worth, can't lose in that same window of time. So, uh, But guys, we got a couple messages for you here, and then we're going to dip on out. Another tremendous installment of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, please follow us on Twitter slash X at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle. Chad's at Chad and Jensen. I'm at Kelberman NFL and Scott, our producers at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some MHH merch like we're always rocking each and every podcast, check out MHHmerch.com and get your swag on. If you haven't, please drop us a like at Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. You can find us on Instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And make sure you're leaving your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every month. That's a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, please, boys and girls, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen to that. A shout out to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight. Troy, David, Ted, The Duchess, Doug, Phil, Grady, the first timer, pop in his cherry, Colby, and The Ronk. Uh, I wanted to grab this too. Really appreciate you. Nick says, Chad, Zach, you guys have the best sports podcast out there. Thank you, bro. So excited for the upcoming games. What a great storybook season. This has already been much love. Well, thank you very much. We do very well, obviously, on YouTube. Thanks to you guys. For a little itty-bitty podcast that only covers one team, you know, we're last time I looked, like, was a week and a half ago, Zach. We are top 50 on American sports podcasts on Apple. But that's a testament to consistency and you guys showing up, being with us live, downloading on Apple, giving us the five-star reviews. It all adds up. So thank you, Nick. Love you guys. We'll be back, of course, for the gut reaction on Sunday, Zach and I. But don't forget, tomorrow morning, you got Legends of Mile High. About lunchtime is when the Mile High Roundtable will publish, so you'll get to see our exact predictions plus a score. And then Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow night, Orange and Blue View Saturday night. Then we'll be back with you Sunday. Can't wait. Have a great weekend, guys. Uh, again, as Chad echoed, have a great weekend. We'll see you Sunday for the gut reaction. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.